Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. All right, this is the Savage Fincast, episode two. We're back. It's another month. A uh, new issue of Savage Dragon is on upon us, and this is Jim Purcell, finally back uh, from my Christmas vacation. And uh, we've got Adam. Say hello, Adam. Hello, Adam. Hello, Adam. And Craig. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you? Doing okay. Good, good to be back. Relaxed and relaxed. Christmas wasn't nearly as stressful as it was last year. So we're back, and we've uh, got um, got some new news. Uh, Adam? Well, uh, there's a few things um, going on. Um, small item, but uh, for anybody that likes free stuff, uh, Savage Dragon 175 is available for free on Graphically as kind of a New Year's giveaway. Graphically is kind of like Comixology for anybody listening that hasn't used it before. And I think they actually have the jumpstart on Comixology in terms of uh, they have every issue of Dragon is on graphically for everybody with e pads and uh, iPod doctor pods and, and uh, future Star Trek devices. Uh, you can get Dragon 175 for free. It's a fat issue, so you should do that. So, so graphically has apps for mobile devices as well as browser based. So, you just got to get yes. the app and you can read it for free. Yep. Awesome. How does that work? You use this, uh, Adam, the graphically application? I have a, a Graphically app on my phone, and I have a Comixology app. But, yeah, you can also read them in your browser. So when you buy an issue, is it, like, yours to keep, or how does that work? I mean, does it... You can read work? it in the browser, or you can download it. So it is a... Like, I, I think... I, I don't... It's not like a CBZ or anything. I think it's, like, you can only... If, even if you download it, you can probably only read it in their application. But I've only used it a little bit. I, I think that's the case. I was just... In terms of, like... Say you went out and, and wanted to buy the whole Savage Dragon series digitally, and say you bought it off graphically, and then a year later they kind of go out of business. Are you screwed, or how does that work, do you know? I think that you is a question uh, that we should probably direct to the people at Graphically, because yeah. I have yeah. no idea. I, I imagine that if you downloaded the the books that you you bought, that you could pro- they're probably retained like in the in the app or something like that. So you, um, you do actually download a file because I know Comixology you, you don't. can. You have like a, there's an option to, to do either. Like if you're looking at it, at least in the browser, you can be like download the book or just read it in the browser. Well, that's pretty progressive because like I said, Comixology, on the other hand, all you're really paying for is the license to read a specific issue for as long as Comixology exists. Uh, yeah, yeah I, cu- I couldn't t- tell you whether or not that's, the case for graphically or not. I'm just guessing. And probably somebody who knows more about graphically than I do is shaking their fist, listening to this and going, no, yeah. <laughs> we're very uninformed about graphically. I, I primarily use a uh, comicology, uh, and the dark horse app because dark horse wants to be the dark horse in, 
digital comics, apparently. I'm yeah. such a noob at this. I, I've never downloaded a digital comic in, on one of those applications. I did just get an iPhone around Christmas time. So, yeah, I may nice. start looking into that, but I, I need guidance. In my <laughs> That's personal why opinion, reading regular comics on an iPhone-sized device is not for me. But reading mm-hmm. them on browser windows, I'm actually enjoying quite a bit. But yeah, some people the nice thing around. At least if you have like if you're doing it on the your phone or or some other small like device, then the nice thing is at least both graphically and comicsology and, and probably most of the comic reading apps have the you know they go from panel to panel, and so a comic book printed page panel is usually not going to be a lot bigger than what you're going to see on the screen of your phone. Uh, so. True. You know, if you're just reading a panel to panel, it's probably around the same size. My biggest problem was all the flipping, because the panels change in uh, size and shape, so what will happen is your phone will orient it is the best possible size, so you're always turning your phone up straight or on the side or straight, and it changes from panel to panel. I just could not like it. The new generation of kids will probably have the that all over us, and, and we'll probably just be like, I don't know how to use this, you kids with your... With your digital comics, I have to turn it upside down. They're like, no, Grandpa. But I, I did play with my father's iPad over Christmas, and that thing is a dream to read comic pages on. It is. That's I want cool. one so bad. Well, I mean, it yeah. would just be awesome when we're doing our podcast or something just to have the issue digitally and just give it a spin instead of having to, like, trudge through your box of back issues or whatever. You know what it I mean? It is very convenient. Yeah, the convenience factor accounts accounts for I think a lot of dollars spent on that. You hear that, long boxes? Your days are numbered. <laughs> <laughs> or even just going on a road trip or anything. It, it's just neat. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Tell you what. Ever since I got my iPhone, I just use it. I read books all the time, re- regular books, and it's the mm-hmm. best thing I've ever bought just for reading because I can carry a whole library with me and I can read wherever and whenever I want. Oh yeah, I got the Kindle app on my phone, and I've just been uh, getting whenever they have a promotion or like something free. Uh, and and I've been buying stuff too, but it's like it's same same deal. I've been reading a ton of stuff on it, even on your little iPhone. Oh yeah, people right? say that it's too small and it causes eye strain, but if you use it just you use it long enough, you stop noticing. Okay. Yep, you just make the text bigger if it's bothering your eyes. I mean, there's all sorts of adjustment options. It's not as bad as some people want to make it out to be because they covet their paper books. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, next bit of Larson news. We have uh, Eric posted the cover to Savage Dragon 181. Yep. And uh, basically, it's it looks to me like Savage Dragon in some kind of you know spacesuit. That's torn apart Former and floating space in space. With, yeah, debris all around him in the, the deep of space. It's kind of neat. Um, we'll put a link up to it on our uh, our website. Yep, we will link the cover. I kind of like how his skin seems to be faded. Whether that's a lighting thing or maybe he's oxygen starved or... I think it's more of there's no light source, like no sun or something. So I don't he's know. practically gray like all the debris around him. Yeah, I mean, it could be anything. It could be. It's it's a it's a pretty cool cover. I mean, it's it, it will stick out on the stand. Yeah. That's for sure. The, the funny is. thing about this cover is it literally can mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Has the Earth I mean, blown up? Have his people blown up? Has the moon blown up? Yes, deserted. Yeah. Maybe it's like one of those 
you know, the cover is the exact opposite of what happens to the story, and Dragon blows up, yeah. and everything else Maybe is Maybe he's fine. dead again. <laughs> <laughs> Although a cover of Dragon blowing up would be pretty cool. <laughs> a cool cover. Yeah. Is that is um, a new Vanguard cover, too? Yeah, the Vanguard cover is cool as hell, too. And, uh, Adam, you, I think I saw that on your Twitter. You were the, the only source of that, I think. Yeah, it's, um, it was done uh, a few days ago, but thought wait till after the holidays to post it because probably nobody would see it otherwise. And, um, Frank actually did, he actually colored it originally because David wasn't going to be able to. He had to, uh, go out of town, but he, then the schedule for the issue changed. Um, as you guys probably seen on Eric's Twitter, uh, he's running a little behind. So, no. Uh, we ended up having Impossible. a few extra days. <laughs> he was like, I might try for a Christmas miracle and try to finish these like 15 pages on Christmas Day, but I don't think it's going to happen. Jeez. And I was like, yeah, I, I can sympathize. So, so it's, anyway, it's going to be a we, little bit later got, coming out, this issue? Yeah, I don't know when it's going to be. Um, Vanguard's all done, though. We we finished that. So we finished that early, and then and then we ended up having extra time. So, um, you know, David just went to town uh, on the cover, and... Um, it's pretty sweet looking. It is Vanguard silhouette staring down an alien spaceship. It's just badass. Yeah, I love the way those spaceships look, just like giant octopus type things. They even got proboscis. They got those. They got mouths. Mm-hmm. You see, you see those bubbles? They kind of look like mouths. Yeah, they're pretty freaky looking. And uh, Frank's cover is just continually. Everyone is better than the last, and that's incredible. Yeah, they're they're great, all of them. He's done a super job. I really, really like. uh, I really like the one where he's holding his sister in the ship uh, from a couple issues back. That's that might be my favorite one of these. Uh, But this the new one's really cool too. He's he's good. He's he's got mad kind of compositional storytelling skills in, in in one image. He's good at that kind of stuff. Um, the next piece of news is uh, Savage Dragon was uh, reviewed on the Paper Keg podcast, which is kind of a, it's got a cult following. It's a great podcast. It reviews comics. You can check it out on paperkeg.com. They mostly review Savage comics, or do they review other things? Just comics. Just comics. That's good. Yeah, or comic-related stuff. We will definitely plug them. There will be a link when we post this. Um they dedicate a whole episode to Savage Dragon. And when I say dedicate the whole episode, it's not really the whole episode, but the the main, you know, focus of the episode is Savage Dragon. Um, Specifically, they review the first trade paperback, Baptism of Fire. Right. Yeah, and for each episode, they kind of put up an image on their website. It kind of looks like the Rolling Stone comic cover, and uh, this episode somebody drew a savage dragon on the front it came out pretty sweet so i I definitely suggest people check out papercag.com um the guys there how they i wrote them a letter about two weeks ago they have a their their podcast is weekly and i uh kind of asked them about their thoughts on savage dragon and basically their response was that none of them really read it uh but they had good friends that were into it and they thought they owed it to Eric to pick up, you know, some issues and review it. 
So they reviewed, I believe, like the first five issues of the regular series. And unfortunately, they kind of panned it. And they were a little harsh on some of the aspects of it. But towards the end of their review, they were like, you know, we realize this this comic's been going on for 20 years. And, you know, things change. So, you know, it might have not been so great to just review the, the you know the first five issues now were they being harsh on savage dragon or were they being harsh more on 90s isms i think the 90s isms that appear in the, the you know the early issues of savage dragon Just to be fair early savage dragon is very 90s and if that's not your thing you're probably gonna get rubbed a little wrong but i think it's cool that there's a podcast that's uh you know examine savage dragon from a non-fan perspective it's good to have a you know a, a you know a balance yeah. yeah, and one of the things they asked for towards the end of it was they asked people, you know, fans of Savage Dragon to write in and suggest, you know, other stories or storylines that they should read to get a better perspective if, you know, if they're not being fair to, to Savage Dragon. So, and they also kind of wrote about it on their Twitter. They have a Twitter, and, and I was kind of going back and forth with them. That on sounds that. like a challenge. So, yeah, I think, you know, maybe we should talk to some of the other, you know, Savage Dragon nerds and you know, put together a list of, you know, a couple of good reading points for them to, to get a good handle on what Savage Dragon is all about. Because I definitely don't think you can judge Savage Dragon based on the first five issues. Eric's still trying to find his voice with the comic. You know, he's still feeling out how the look of Dragon, the feel. Yeah. You know. Well, I think that, you know, we were talking about this a little bit just before we started recording, but the fact that he changes so much he changes the book so much and he's constantly experimenting that over the course of close to 200 issues you, you have probably something for everybody and I, I would think that there's probably something that they could find that they would enjoy uh, and but also you know uh, if they if they take the time to check out stuff uh, that they wouldn't normally read, that's that's great. Like that's what kind of comic readers need to do more of is getting out of their comfort zone. And if they don't like it, you know, they don't like it. And it's good to hear like other people's perspectives about uh, you know the stuff that you know we may enjoy or just take for granted or or whatever. Because sometimes um, there's a lot of good points to be made. You know, when somebody's coming at it from a different perspective. Uh, so you know, kudos to them for for giving it a shot. At, and maybe we can suggest some more stuff to them. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and like I say, it, it's a hilarious podcast. It's very entertaining. They do a great job. They're very professional. That you know, they have. I think they record in a studio. You know, on microphones, unlike us on Skype. And <laughs> but you know, whatever. Um, they're they're just a good bunch of guys. And you know, go check them out if you're into comic podcasts. I, I enjoy it. I think you will too. And uh, unfortunately, they pan Dragon, but you know, we can help them see the light hopefully um so that's that on paper keg and then paperkeg.com uh, paper is the website check it out and then uh did we have any other news i have one uh item that's just kind of uh tangentially related to dragon uh and you guys might have seen it on, if you look around the forums today but um uh, Michel Fife, uh, or as probably some people know him, Michael Fife, a uh, guy who was kind of responsible for Twisted Dragon Funnies, and he, he did the first chapter of the Twisted Funnies. Uh, he has a comic uh, that he puts out. It's all 
it's all his own stuff. He self-publishes it called Zegas and uh, just like Vegas with a Z. And it's just a uh, clusterfuck of awesome. It's so much weird stuff under between two covers. He did the first issue last year and he's got a, he's got the second issue coming out, I think in April and he's got a, um, a funding page for it on Rocket Hub, which is kind of like Kickstarter. It's a crowdfunding website, and he's trying to raise funds so he can self-publish this second issue. So I strongly, strongly encourage anybody who's remotely interested in comics that are um, a little weird but really fun uh, to either go to Rocket Hub and look up Zagas or just um, uh, go on the forums and, and find his thread um, He's a quite an incredible talent, and and so I think he deserves the support. I'll drop a link to it on the cool. uh, when we put up the uh, podcast. So uh, we got new issue Savage Dragon one hundred seventy seven. Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden is back to destroy America. When the monster wakes. Cover is um, got that worn, artificially worn look that Eric seems to really, really like. Yeah, I'm a sucker for that. I am not entirely sold on it myself. I think, uh, I don't know, I get get why it wants, why, uh, why you like it, but in my opinion, I'd rather see the CRISPR art. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can get behind that, yeah. I I, I mean, I felt he did it once. It would have been nice to, I think it would have been better just to leave it but I think it looks cool either way. Right, that was back on, what, 125? 15. Yeah, Dread Knight. The Dread Knight cover. And the, when, uh, the WonderCon variant for Wonder 145. Right. Also had... I mean, it's cool. I mean, I know this cover got a lot of buzz when it got solicited, you know, because Osama Bin Laden is, you know, new, he was in the news a bit this year. A little bit. And uh, I know, I know that there's gonna be, there's gotta be a certain you know group of people who are gonna look at this cover and they're gonna say it's just sensationalism. He's just capitalizing on this guy being killed, and it's not, you know, it's just Eric Larson trying to get some cheap buzz out of it. But I yeah. don't think that's actually the case, truly. And I think anyone who actually has that opinion should probably read the book. Yeah, I think uh, I understand when people see, uh, you know, political, uh, you know, or famous people on covers, um, it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction at this point. Right. Because we've, we've seen so much, you know, especially over the last few years. Um, but I think when people read the issue, they actually go, oh, well, this is just a lot of fun. Like, this is just kind of a fun romp. And uh, it's... You know, in the grand tradition of Captain America punching out Hitler. Right, exactly. You know, and, and, and I don't really see that this is any any uh, worse than that. And, and um, yeah, I, I actually, that's all I was going to say. Yep. <laughs> what, one little tidbit for this cover, that uh, little caption, when the, the, when the monster wakes is actually lifted directly off of Marvel Comics' Tales to Astonish number 99. Which is <laughs> Submariner. Is that what the is but, this cover homage that at all, or is it just that? No, it doesn't homage it at all. But that little like starred caption is yeah. it's exactly listed from that cover. Huh. Everything well, is listed. 
those Tales from Astonish covers are awesome, so it's, it's not a bad place to pull from, I think. Well, I'm, I'm noticing the logo's different, too. Is that is that That's a Thor-style logo, right? Or is that Hulk? I'm very no. bad at my Silver Age knowledge. I'm not sure, but it's not Thor or Hulk. Originally, he had, like, I, I remember when the solicitation copy came out, he had, like, that brick-looking the, logo. The one from 124 was on there. The Rocky yeah. brick one, yeah. Yeah. I like that one myself. I, uh, I don't think yeah. this particular logo pops off the stand. I think it's a little hard to read at a range. And, you know, it doesn't look but, like the regular logo, so people who are looking for Savage Dragon might glance over it. But I think it works with the old-style cover, that style he's going for. I, I do think that you can't help but miss a giant green Osama Bin Laden. So. <laughs> that does kind of jump out at you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like it a lot. I, I, I know that, uh, uh, not that Eric does them all the time, um, but I know that in, in some areas of the industry, the kind of, um, homage covers, not homage covers, but the, um, the covers that are made to look like Golden Age and Silver Age books have, have been done to death. Uh, but I'm, I'm a total sucker for them. Uh, if there's, if there's one, uh, you know, I love Big Bang comics. I love the Next Issue Project stuff. I lo- I'm just a, uh, I love the age. I know the work that went into putting uh, this together because he actually had to get like scans of torn up comics and then muck with them until all that was left was the little tears and rips and then apply that to his own art. And I think that takes a really long time to do. And uh, the logo, um, just looking kind of like a, um, you know, maybe like a old horror comic almost with the wavy letters. Uh, yeah. This is actually one of my favorite covers of Dragon, uh, at least recently. Um, I know uh, not everybody feels the same, but uh, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And it doesn't really look like the other. Sorry. I was just going to say, Eric does them the best, too, of anybody. When he's going for that old look, like, yeah. he just put so much care into it. I don't really see very many other people trying to do it. I think, I mean, there's some people who do, but he definitely does it in a very complete way. Yeah. I, I think a lot of artists out there just throw, like, some Zipatone on stuff, and they're like, oh, it's an old-looking comic, but, you know, <laughs> they don't get it right. No, I mean, anybody who's read any of the Next Issue Project books knows the, like, the lengths that he's going to, to, like, take the um, different color channels and move them so it looks like the color plates are shifted wrong and then print, right. like make the, the pages themselves, which are these, you know, beautiful, heavy cardstock type pages, look like shitty newsprint with that right. aged yellow, like gray, brown stuff. It's a lot of tender love and care goes into the making of that stuff. Well, onto the contents, first page, we get some captions and... Osama bin Laden, was he in the Marianas Trench or just some trench? I don't know. It was underwater. I do think it's funny. I mean, it, this is, you know, it's a comic book and you're advancing the story, but I have a feeling they didn't just dump his body in like that. They probably put him in a coffin or wrapped him up or something, but yeah, of course, <laughs> it wouldn't look right. <laughs> what I find really interesting about this whole sequence on the first three pages where, you know, bin Laden is uh, underwater is that he, he, he combines real-world things and his super super superhero universe things to create this monster. 
Yeah. Not only is yeah. it Osama bin Laden having been shot in the head and dumped at sea by the U.S. military, but the uh, the lava men are the ones <laughs> who actually knock him loose and send him flying to uh, apparently to Japan, where it also ties into the uh, tsunami that happened last year and the meltdowns yeah. of the Fukushima nuclear power plants. And that's what made him radioactive. And apparently healed up his gunshot wound. Apparently. Well, that's what happens whenever you have any kind of radioactive sludge. If you've ever seen any movie ever, this it has to it turns it turns people into to gigantic Godzilla-sized monsters. That's how radiation works. Yeah, or Toxic Avenger makes you green too. Yeah, yep. those are rules. You can't you can't go go against the rules. It's Godzilla. <laughs> that was great. This guy standing on the dock giant green hand busting out of the water and he's screaming Godzilla at it because that's the only thing it could be and then back at the homestead Malcolm and Angel are uh, having a heart to heart with their old man who's apparently beaming a hologram from light years away and this is the first time that they've spoke with Dragon for how many issues now are we talking before or after his brain got eaten well, the real dragon would be before his right his brain got eaten. I mean, they would have been talking to Kerr. So, how many issues has it been since they've actually talked to the the? Did they ever talk to the to Virus Dragon at all when they were driving him in that? No, that was an alternate universe too. So that doesn't really count, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I I have lost track myself. They probably it's, have it's not like actually it. seen Dragon since Virus ate him. Yeah, and that was what twenty issues ago, <laughs> fifteen issues. Is, 30 issues ago. <laughs> really? Real-time aspect, that would be a good year and a half for both of them. Oh, more, yeah. Yeah. So, he kind well, of... Uh, I was just going to say, I, it's it's a nice character, uh, you know, moment with him sort of uh, catching up on things with his kids, and it's been, you know, like you we've been saying, it's been a long time that Malcolm and Angel have talked to their dad, and um, he's kind of giving them the real no bullshit kind of summary of all of the crazy stuff that's been happening. You know, uh, it was needless to say, (laughs) all the answers in regard to my mysterious origin was a real eye opener. You know, just that real, um, casual, funny, uh, way that Eric has of writing dragon's dialogue or, or just writing his own kind of uh, dialogue, making the scene feel, you know, real, kind of comfortable, like a real family talking. Yeah. Like real people. Uh, Dragon's story is a guy who likes to play things like that cool, but you just know that he's about as confused about this as everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. That's Dragon for you. Right. And then, of course, Frank yeah. drops the bombshell. <laughs> Malcolm drops the bombshell. Tells Dragon that Angel slept with, with Frank Jr. What a jerk. <laughs> you just know he's just jealous. Malcolm is jealous of Angel. That's totally the kind of thing a kid would say right then, though. Totally, like, inappropriate, like, you know, Dad! Pay attention to me. (laughs) Angel's up to Frank. (laughs) And then the next panel is just kind of like dragons kind of look at, you know, you can tell he's looking at Angel like, that's my baby, you know? He's also thinking, man, I've had a lot of sex in my life. What can I possibly tell her? (laughs) It doesn't make me sound like a jackass. Yeah. If you look at if you look at these two pages, you got to think that you know Tom Orzachowski's got to put his hand on ice after 
lettering these two pages, though. There are a lot of words. There's a lot of words. <laughs> got to remember, though, that Tom's the Chris Claremont veteran, you know, uh, so he's he's no stranger to pages that are covered in text. Practically drawn the book. Yeah, I mean, definitely in some of those X-Men comics back in the day, uh, I'm sure he was putting more lines on the paper than uh, Cockrum or Romita or, or whoever was drawing it. And Dragon still has that wacky Flash Gordon-esque outfit on. Somehow he makes it work. I've just been getting drawn to those gloves. He's wearing, like, those big kitchen mitts. <laughs> they're flared Stars out. Stars the on them. <laughs> yeah, they're great. And we're back in Japan. Osama, giant Osama Bin Laden smashing a ship with his fist. I kind of like how he's all, like, thin and gangly and not, like, roided out with his transformation. He's just a bigger version of himself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if Eric tried to make him all big and stuff, it really wouldn't be Osama Bin Laden. You know, I think it, it's better just to kind of keep him the way he actually kind of looked. He's really treating it like a Godzilla story where this monster comes out, he smashes things, and he descends into the water. Where is he going? Where? Well, just like in the monster movies, he starts in Japan. Right, he's always. Go. Then he's got to go attack America. you got to wonder if in superhero universes that Japan doesn't just get attacked by monsters all the time. That's like their thing. Right. Yeah. And apparently Angel and Malcolm are now on an airplane flying to New York City. Right? It's New York? Yep. Because where do monsters go next after they trash Japan? New York. They, uh, and they're going to the Jerry Rivers show. Well, is that a joke? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know who Jerry Rivers is. Jerry Rivers appeared in Savage Dragon 11. And then I think again, was it 169? He's just kind of like uh, Phil Donahue type. I don't know. Oprah yeah, Winfrey. Kind of, kind of like, um, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Maury. Maury Polvich? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's type of Maury type show. Oh, so like, he's like yeah. a trashy daytime talk show host? Exactly. Ah. So he's not in the classy, they're not going on a classy show like. Uh, well, may, maybe now or, that he's like, the, the way that it. Not to jump too far ahead, but the way that he the show looks like at the end of the issue looks more like a you know a classy night talk show right um, but definitely when he was first introduced he was like Geraldo on Maury Povich type show uh, yeah okay and if you if you look back at Savage Dragon 11 he actually looks like you know a 35 or 40 year old yeah now uh, he looks old and then we turn the page and We've got Pee Wee of the Little Wise Guys. Uh, who's the doctor? He, that's Ann Stevens' husband, right? Yeah, and I forget his name. The heck, is Dragon always calls him Brad. That's right. But I think Brad. I think his name is something else, and like Bradley is his last name. Yeah, it's like one of those things where Dragon just does it to be a jerk or something. <laughs> it's kind of cool just to see him show up, though. I mean, yeah, looks like he's getting a little older. He's got the Reed Richards kind of hair thing going on now. Does anyone ever actually have hair color that way? I've never <laughs> seen that in life ever. Like it's perfectly gray just on the sides there. Of course, then he drops That's the awesome. bombshell about the the little wise guys. Apparently, they don't age anymore. Why do you think Eric's going in this direction of of not aging Daredevil and the little wise guys? I suspect it's partially because he's using these Golden Age characters and he wants them to stay the way they always have been. I suspect that's sort of what he wants, is he, he doesn't have the right to age them. Uh, 
since they're not technically his characters. And this is a way of getting around that, because it is a real-time book, and by now they should be much older than they look. Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, he could age them if he wanted to, because it's just, you know, anyone you can do anything you really want with them. True. Yeah, no, I was sort of going to say what, what you said, Jim, uh, but I think it's um, more of just maybe he doesn't want them to leave their you know, to become characters that they're not. Yeah, and they always maybe, do. maybe when the little wise guys, you know, grow up to become adults, they're no longer the little wise guys because they were eternally these children. And I mean, he's already done. He started to do things with the characters that, you know, he's killed one of them off brutally. Yeah, uh, he's introduced a new one, and he's, you know, had um, Daredevil get. Uh, angel's blood and and stuff that so he's already doing stuff to the characters treating them like they're his own characters like he would treat any of his other characters but um maybe it's sort of a case like what he was talking about with the deadly duo and and wanting just uh to come up with a way to maybe have them continue in the book but um you know nobody's going to be necessarily asking questions now like hey why is you know, Malcolm has a kid now, and Pee-wee looks the same. You <laughs> right, know? right, right. And it would be weird to start drawing Pee-wee like a teenager or something, because, I mean, that's his look, that cartoony look. Whereas, you know, at one time Angel had that look, and now she just looks like a regular kind of... Now she's got real eyes and not dots. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ann Stevens' uh, husband is Larry Bradford. Larry. Bra- okay. Bradford. There you go. Yeah. He's what's their what's the name of their daughter? Uh, Betty Bradford. Because I was completely I completely missed this in one of the last issues, but when I was rereading it, when Angel was babysitting her and she has that like big thing over her wrist, yeah, that cuff. Oh yeah, so it's, it's not it's not explained at all. It's just like when I wasn't paying attention to it the first time I read it, but then yeah. when I looked at it, I was like. Oh, right, so she can't change in the mind. It's like these little hair casts on her wrists so she can't <laughs> click them together accidentally. Yeah, that was cool. Well, I'm sure there's so, some... I, I got. I suspect that there may be seeds being laid here for another major story arc. I mean, these kids are immortal, I mean, and it's in their blood, and if that's the case and it can't be transferred, they're going to be more sought after than Dragon's blood ever was. Right, right. And that... Yeah. I guess that means all of those Golden Age characters that were freed during the Solar Man arc are all the same like that? They're not going to age? Possibly. Definitely there. So moving on, I think I actually found John Day on this uh, next page where uh, the top of the page where Angel and Malcolm are in the cab. Did you guys spot him? Is that the guy in the glasses right over Malcolm's shoulder? He's right there. That's him. (laughs) For for people who, who don't know who John Day is listening to this, I don't know if I can explain it perfectly. You guys chime in, but he's kind of a, a throwaway character. I think Eric at one point said he was based on one of his old friends or something like that. Yeah, he's he's a friend of Eric's. There's a real guy named John Day. Yeah, and he's he's in, in you know, I would say 80% of the issues, and a good amount of them he just dies but he always comes back and he's always this balding guy with a mustache and glasses and glasses and he's been like that in like Eric has drawn him in comics like his entire career like yeah. you can go back and look in Spider-Man or Punisher or whatever yeah. it is and he's there and uh, I wonder 
if John Day still looks like this because it's been, you know, 30 years or whatever, and he's probably drawn him the same exact way. Well, uh, it's like Dung. Um, yeah, exactly. Dung's probably, the guy the, Dung's based off of probably looks a bit different now. 20 years. Oh, he looks oh, totally yeah. different. I actually yeah. uh, looked up his, like, he's got, like, a podcast now, and probably about three or four years ago, I sent Eric a picture of what he looked like now, and we had talked about, like, how, like, wow, you know, he totally doesn't look like how I draw him anymore. I need to start changing the way my characters look because, you know, it really hit him that. You're supposed to be aging here, and a lot of these guys look the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I, mean, I don't think it really matters for, like, a lot of the extraneous characters, because nobody really, it, you know, they we're not really following their stories too closely. But, right. Yeah. What, what's Dung up to for the last ten years? I mean, what's his story? I don't know, man. He still has no hands, and I don't know what he does without hands. How does he, how does maybe, he eat with those hands? He's turned into mud. But anyway, just, just to go back to John Day again, if, if people don't really know who he is, First of all, in this issue, you can see him kind of on the right side of Malcolm's uh, head in that panel where they're in the, the cab. It's just a little squiggle, and usually most issues, it's more than just a little squiggle. I mean, there have been some real... I think he was, a, he was a member of the SWAT team at one point. Right, I pointed that out when you we were looking at issue 12. In the, yeah, yeah. The origin issue, issue zero, he was in one of those, like, Tubes getting tested on by. Uh, oh, that was John know. Day. I missed that. Yep. Yeah, um, and he's been in multiple. I look at any any Savage Dragon comic, and you can usually find him in the background. Huh. Like I said, middle aged guy balding with glasses and a mustache. And Can't miss him. one of the more his more memorable appearances because some occasionally he'll be, you know, like front and center. Right. He's in. He's in. I think it's the dragon number two in one of the added pages that Eric put like between the original miniseries where it's like they're interviewing people on the street about what they think of the new police super freak police officer and he's one of the guys except his name is something you know probably offensive and funny I don't remember what the joke name is but yeah, yeah. I'm sure he has one and then and then he's in the issue where uh, Simon Cain is making he's in one of those Simon Cain stories where there's people committing mass suicides and he like runs out into the street and a car hits him. In issue two, he's called Michael Hunt, which would be Mike Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm just I I punched it up on the Savage Dragon wiki, which is savagedragonwiki.wikispaces.com, and uh, you can see all of his appearances up through 174. I don't think it's been updated since, but. Or he just hasn't appeared in the last few, I think. But anyway, that will give you, uh, you know, some of those newbies out there that don't really know about John Day. Something to to look through yep. for all the issues. Where is John? Yeah, Day? that's definitely him right there next to Malcolm. Said that's there's nobody else that could be. <laughs> also about this page, I kind of like how they he mentions Occupy Wall Street. It kind of ties into how all these current events are kind of being looked at in this particular issue. I uh, right. I, I kind of like that little nod. It's something that is going on. The craziest thing on this page, though, is got to be that footnote. That's going to be the craziest footnote in the history of comics. <laughs> it's, it's, compli- it's complicated. <laughs> it might be an understatement. It is. Uh, it's like to be, six lines long. Yeah. But to be fair, it is. You know, it is complicated, but it is made pretty concise here. I mean, 
it's cool that he's acknowledging it and he's not just trying to ignore it. I mean, fact is, we're probably going to see Savage World Angel at some point again. Yeah, and just to clarify, the footnotes kind of explaining, you know, Dragon and Angel's relationship and how they're brothers and sisters, but not really. And, you know, people who haven't read the issue just have to pick up that page and look at it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And then next page, yeah. the monster arrives. I just, well, I guess this page kind of, I can talk about this too. It also yep. appears on the last, on the previous page, but the splash page with Obama, but I know Osama, I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> At least once. <laughs> but um, I, I crack up on how Eric still draws cars like it's 1985. Yep. <laughs> they're still very blocky and square. And it's just yeah. funny. And it's just boxes. Yeah, Box, I mean... Boxes with wheels. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. He, he, he's on record for too. saying... I hate drawing cars. He's on record for saying he hates drawing cars, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, like, dogs and horses, too. But well, there's a dog on this I page, too. Yeah, there's yeah. There's a dog right there. Yeah. I think it's hilarious, though. I mean... <laughs> just cracks me up i mean they look cool they look good yeah but. you know they're cars i mean there's no, no denying <laughs> that yeah and i you know eric draws a cool looking uh osama his kind of face looks pretty dead on to me i kind of like how yeah. he's kind of staring cool. off into space like he's not all there i mean i think it's it's kind of nice that he is just a monster he's just wearing the face of this guy yeah, yeah. it's just like a yeah. zombie like a zombie, exactly. He must have some kind of remaining thoughts, though, where he's heading towards New York to destroy it, you know? Well, I think that's Angel might be projecting a little bit. He's a monster. Yeah. He's going to destroy <laughs> New York. It's what they do. <laughs> and then uh, you get that next page where Angel kind of gives Malcolm that Colossus slash Wolverine launch. The old fastball special. Yeah. yeah. Throws him right up at Bin Laden's face and and Malcolm gives him the uh, lightning punch, which has become his kind of trademark. His, his mom raptures lightning powers that he has. I, I gotta wonder about that. I mean, he he does the lightning punch thing all the time. It is kind of his signature move. But does does Malcolm have any additional control over lightning like his mom does, or is it literally just focused in his hand like that? Because I don't think that's been explored too much. How much he can't he can't like project it the way that Rapture could. He, he can do certain things with it, and, and like you said, I don't think it's totally been explored or explained all of the things that he can do, but he's got, like, a uh, limited version of Rapture's powers. Like, I don't think he can shoot uh, lightning out of his hands the way that she can. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's something, like you said, it hasn't been explored, and it's kind of weird. You know, it's weird slash neat. You know, maybe, you know... In the future, he does some kind of like testing of his abilities or something, and learns that he can do more with it. It is kind of cool, and and you tend to forget that he has those powers just because he's you know looks just like Dragon, and he's got that brute strength. But yeah. you know, once in a while, Eric kind of shows you like uh, what was the last issue where he fried that um, Patriot style dude? What was his name? Oh, uh, the mullet. War and Terror. Yeah, Warren Terry kind of just fried him with his electric powers. Wasn't that wasn't that from his like electric punch or something? I think, didn't he grab his head he, and fry him? He was holding his head. And, and, 
so it was so he projected that as more than just the punch. He kind of just well, but he wasn't. I mean, it was it wasn't like a foot away from his hand. He was like no. holding the guy's head and right, he, right. He, yeah. But I mean, it just goes to show you, it's more than just like you know him slugging somebody. Like yeah, it's more than just impact. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So he could really grab onto somebody and jolt them or something. It seems like. Right. I'd like to see Eric explore that more. Yeah. I do like uh, just going off a little bit what you're saying is how he's making him distinct from um, from Rapture's powers, but also from Dragon and and. He's gone to, you know, good lengths. Even though his his body build is the same as Dragon's, you know, his his skin tone is different. He has yeah. different eyes. The shape of his head is different. He has a totally different face than Dragon. Like, and yeah, he actually looks African American. Like, yeah, and he's growing. You know, he's he has his like sort of just like any teenager. Like, he's has a personality, but it's a personality that's been developing and and. Uh, you probably have a pretty good picture of the kind of person that he's going to be, you know, later in life right now, but uh, he's still a kid in a lot of ways. And I just love that he's not just like Dragon. Right. I love that he's his own guy. Yeah, Dragon's more of just like a wise-ass constantly. Like, it doesn't turn off. Malcolm doesn't come across that way, at least not yet. Definitely not as much, yeah. Right. Yeah, he's a he's definitely got his own personality. Like like I think Eric mentioned that he he writes Malcolm um, less smart than he is, and he finds that interesting because he's always dr- written uh, Dragon as more smart than he is, mm. which is also interesting. So he he Malcolm definitely has his own voice. He's got a you know a more I'm not going to say immature, but he's definitely got a, a younger outlook on things. Yeah, it does come across as sounding more immature, which I think is what you want to sell that character. And, I mean, Eric's got teenage sons, you know, I you know, yeah. I think one of them is close to Malcolm's age or maybe a few years older or something, so he's got that kind of interaction daily with the teenager or teenagers that, you know, he, he still can, you know, pick up on what teenagers are like. Yeah. The next page is, uh, is kind of cool. I love that smack that you know, Osama gives Malcolm and sends him careening through those buildings and just that panel where he's kind of like just grasping at the floor, but the velocity is just like whipping him right through the building. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You just see like the office workers like, what the hell? And it's just, you know, green dude just flying across. And it ends with them smashing through a, a, a table at a restaurant and he's like, so sorry, he's ruined their dinner. <laughs> He yeah. blows up all these buildings, and that's what he says sorry for. So it's a, uh, what do you call it, Come, kind of comes with the job of, you know, yeah. getting knocked through buildings. And then he's right back on his feet. Gotta wonder how many blocks he had to run to get back. Because he looked like he got thrown a good distance. But then we get another great lightning punch, which actually was a, looks like a really, really cool panel with the lightning coming down. Mm-hmm. Right. I always wonder how Eric, like, decides, like, how much damage to give his, like, heroes. Like, you know, they'll, like, take Dragon, for instance. He'll fight, like, Cutthroat, and Cutthroat will slice him up. But then, you know, those something like Malcolm getting, you know, shot through a couple of buildings and glass and whatnot. He shakes and it off. He's not, he's no blood or anything like that. Uh, I mean, it's, 
it's a comic book. I understand. I just wonder how he like decides, you know, how much damage to to give a guy if it just, you know, it's just a gut feeling. This will look cool, or you know, we don't. It's too excessive. Let's just keep moving on. Right. Maybe also like, you know, I'm probably again like thinking too hard about this, but it might also be one of those things where. You know, stuff with cut, Cutthroat and those kinds of villains was very early in the series, and it was kind of before we knew how powerful Dragon was. And it was also before Dragon knew how powerful he was. Like, he didn't know he could grow back hands and, and everything else. And uh, I sort of feel like maybe it's maybe it's a waste of time to show him getting his lips split now, because okay. it's like you, you already know what's going to happen. Not that you should never do it, but that, like, you don't need to sort of focus on it. Yeah, yeah. It comes little cuts and bruises and nicks all over the place. It doesn't matter because he's just going to be back to normal in a couple hours. Yeah, Uh, like in in the early issues when when Dragon got his arms ripped off and it would be like they wouldn't be back to normal for like three issues. And then like as the the series progressed, it was like you get something ripped off and it seemed like you would be healed within like the issue or something like that. I think that it wasn't supposed to be faster. It was just that he wasn't focusing on it. Like yeah, you, you yeah. time elapsed, and then you have like uh, a good example is is one forty four where they're he's doing the different panel every day kind of thing, and and Dragon's arms are like off for a day or two, and then there are those little twigs, and there's like that funny progression of them. Right, right, right. And there's that great panel where uh, Shadowhawk summons him, and he has no arms. And Spawn <laughs> yeah, is dead, yeah. and Bondestead, Witchblade is no longer Witchblade. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great bit. And Invincible's costume is different. And <laughs> it, does, it does make me wonder when, when Eric's going to dismember uh, Malcolm for the first time. Well, he already he had his get... hands cut off, remember? He got his hands cut off by, um, what's his name? Uh, was it Skullface's kid? Somebody had his arms cut off and they reattached them because they healed faster. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. No, wait, that's right. It was that guy who Angel beat his face his face in. He kept uh, uh, forget his name. With the fro. Yeah, him. What's his name? He sliced uh, his arms right off with like wires, and then Angel just beat his face in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's gonna kill me now. I can't remember that guy's name. <laughs> anyway, he's got like the the metal jaw and the weird eyes and stuff. He's been around forever. Yeah, he hasn't actually healed his arms back because they reattached them and his body healed back together. Gotcha. Yeah, he hasn't actually grown the twig arms at any point yet. I'm sure he'll get to experience something along those lines sooner or later. He's going to come up against somebody who's going to rip him in half or something. Right. Take, take his legs off, whatever. So we get in a fight. We get to see Angel show off through a bus at him. That's always fun. <laughs> I like it when Angel shows up. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I like Angel as a character a lot, and I like it when she gets to get into the action because yeah. I, I just like that there's a strong female character that can beat the shit out of guys. Yeah, like extremely strong, yeah. like crazy powerful. Yeah, yeah, I like Angel a lot too. She's a really good character. I honestly, I, I think as a character, she what all the stuff she's been through through her entire life, it just gives her a lot of depth. Maybe a lot more than Malcolm because you know he wasn't in the book for a very long time. But Angel always. Yes, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, when they did the when he changed Earths and and 
he was with the alternate Jennifer and Angel. I always had a problem with it just because it wasn't his angel. It wasn't the angel that he had, you know, like protected against the overlord and, or, and all had all this history with already. And I was like, man, he's got to bring back his angel. And, and um, lo and behold, he did. But um, I, I always, I felt the same way. Like there was just, since we've, you know, practically, we've known her practically since birth. Like we, we met her when she was a baby or an infant. And uh, so it's been pretty cool to see these characters grow up. Yeah. And as you said, we haven't seen as much of Malcolm's growing up as we had at first. And I, I think with Angel too, it, you feel the impact more because there was so many issues during like the family saga where maybe it's not the same angel, but you still saw her as that cartoony little girl, and now it's like you really see, you know, both of her and Malcolm, how they've changed so much. Yeah. It's cool. I like how when she screams for help, her mouth is still huge. Like, enormous. Enormous mouth. Still got a little bit of that cartoon character to her. And then they fight, and they fight, and they fight, and the army shows up. Gets a little... They, they seem to show up a little quick. I, I don't think you can get that many tanks into downtown New York that quickly. <laughs> but uh, we'll go with the fantasy. Yeah, maybe... Uh, did they know, like, he was on his way from Japan? You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, he, they did have some warning because they knew he attacked Japan. So my other question, too, is there's no SOS. Is the SOS completely destroyed? I can't remember how much damage Kerr did to them. Are there any remaining survivors? Or is that team gone? Super Patriot survived, but I think he's pretty much the only one. And if they're restarting SOS, for some reason I got the idea that he was trying to do it with the, those surviving Golden Age characters that Solar Man released. For some reason I got that in my head. I may have misread that or maybe making that up. But uh, yeah. I seem to recall something like that. Yeah. Yeah. None of they just weren't available at the moment or something. Yeah, there's no government team that kind of comes in. I sort of like kind of like that the military can handle something like this. It's always good to have the military seem a little bit competent when it comes to these sort of things because they go on so often. Right. I mean, the, yeah. the jets come in, they blow Osama up and in a spectacular finish. And I think that's, that's kind of cool in its own way. I mean, it doesn't always have to be superheroes that save the day. I mean, it can just be jets. With missiles, yeah, it's a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, firework finish. Yeah, uh, I think than if they had just punched him out. Yeah, Mighty Man flying through his head or something. I mean, it's, right, it's right. the same thing at the end of the day. And I think it's also, you know, you know, maybe this is looking too deep into it, but it's the U.S. military defeating. Osama bin Laden yeah. yet again. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's probably a little bit about that. Of course, the social commentary cool. is you know definitely there, especially here at the end where uh, Angel finds herself cheering for it, and then she find she's horrified with what she's doing because she realizes it's a human being. That kind of you know goes back to when Osama was killed by the military. A lot of people cheered for his death, and you think about it, it's kind of dark to do that. It's kind of creepy to cheer, even no no matter how evil the guy is. To cheer for someone's death is not that great of a trait to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think Angel's just uh, echoing that with, with her lumpy. You know, Definitely. Think, uh, well, and then Malcolm, of course, underlines it by saying, you know, he's kind of a dick, so it's not so bad. 
Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a dick. Um, I also just have to say, um, I I love both the way that they, you know, take him. They end up defeating him by uh, drawing him out with Whitney Houston. But I also love uh, what Tom Orzakowski did with the uh, with the song playing from the the helicopter. That's just great stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like you can hear it when you read it. The, the lettering is so expressive. And uh, anyway, is that a that real thing? A nice is, is Osama bin Laden was Osama bin Laden actually obsessed with Whitney Houston? Is that like a thing? I heard he. I I heard that he was a big Whitney fan. I'm not sure if that's true or not, oh. but it's pretty funny. It is. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> I've heard that too. <laughs> I remember reading this issue the first time, and I I came to that panel. I was like, "Oh, it looks just like it sounds." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, letters definitely do a lot for a book, and uh, I know just looking at even like original art, like I have a page from Savage Dragon uh, Superman that Chris Eliopoulos lettered, and mm-hmm. you can actually see like, his little lines and all his little, like, lettering, you know, like, all the little, like, how he kind of, uh, you know, you see the guide. up all the words, you have the guidelines and everything, and the, the, the like, the sound effects and stuff, and it's just freaking amazing. It's, it's like, it's just amazing. I mean, I guess, Adam, you letter, so you can... Yeah, but, I mean, I can't do what these guys do, and... and exactly, I, I, and I think that yeah. a lot of people look at this stuff, and they're like, oh, I just, let, you know, you're just writing, you know, words down, and it's so much more than that, it and it can really make a book pop. Yeah, you you talk, start talking to, like, guys like Tom, and you're, you're getting into, like, the nitty-gritty of designing letter forms, like, that look pleasing to the eye, and, and all this, like, really hardcore stuff... Like, if you ever see my hand lettering, it's atrocious. I, I will hand letter, like, my own stuff sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's just sort of out of the desire to sometimes have it all, like, in practical, like, ink on the board. Right. Um, but it's it's not pretty looking. <laughs> and I'm it always just makes me happy to know in that uh, Eric still insists on having his, his uh, I'm having Dragon hand lettered. And, um, I think I that's mean, one of the high like watermarks of the series is that just in terms of, of artistry is that he's always demanded that. Yeah, I mean, even like with the sound effects too, I, digital lettering and sound effects have come a long way, I think. But you know, just having like you know a, a good letterer write in your sound effects compared to just kind of using stock sound effects, it it's huge when you compare the two. Yeah. Even digital lettering, I mean, like I said, it's come a long way and it works a lot, but when you compare like a hand-lettered page to like, you know, someone that's just used digital lettering, it's, uh, you can you see the difference. You know, the, the, when I was very first, the very first, I don't know, handful of issues of Dragon that I read, I assumed that it was lettered on the computer because Chris Iliopoulos did those like really hard-edged especially uh, whenever Super Patriot would show up. And in Super Patriot's miniseries especially, there'd be the, like, bracket, 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 like, click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. And every letter is, like, a perfect square. And then I read in the letter section, like, I'll never forget this, like, you know, somebody 
asked, and Eric was like, no, Chris does everything by hand, and he curses my name with every one. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this guy's insane. Yeah. But, the, yeah. <laughs> the page I have from Superman Savage Dragon has got, like, Howard Neisman, one of the, the Chicago cops, shooting a gun, and it's got that same kind of, like, blam, 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 like, all the way down right. the page. And you look at the guidelines and all the, the cross lines that I use to like keep all the lettering like boxed up and in, in, in line, and it's, yeah. it's amazing to look at. Yeah, you can just really appreciate how long that must have taken him to do, and 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 especially that when he was already you know you're talking about an era where he didn't have to do that. So it's pretty cool that they did. They're doing that whole like I want the like John Workman on Walt Simonson Thor type deal like I want the letters to be big and powerful and a part of the artwork you know like a piece of the design and just integrating that with the artwork it's really really visible on on what pretty much whenever Super Patriot shows up uh, it's beautiful stuff right anyway so we get to the last page and they're doing the Jerry River show we talked about earlier and I really like how this page just sort of pulls back away from the show. You get to see the stage, and you see the outside of the studio, then you see the city, and then we're in space. And there's those ships. Yeah, look at those things. They just look like aliens themselves, and I think that's the cool thing. I mean, those things are loaded up with those, uh, what are they called, the combat, the... The Terranians? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think those, the design of those ships are pretty awesome because they are so yeah. menacing looking. They just look like creatures. And of course, then you turn the page and you find out where they came from. The the, the Vanguard backup strip. Which ties right into the uh, next story arc that we're about to head into with the next issue. Yeah, setting stuff up with the big alien invasion here. Yep. I think that... I, I think that that's been really cool, really cool setup. Yeah, the, the Vanguard strip's been running what about six issues now? Yes. Yep. And, uh, yep. One seventy-eight will be part seven. So yeah. So. Was, uh, yeah. So um, and during that whole time, basically, it's been leading to this alien invasion of Earth. <laughs> right. And I, I find that I I find that kind of synergy between the main story and the backup story to be really, really brilliantly done. And I, I enjoy that immensely. Yeah, it really feels like a continuation of the book as opposed to just kind of like, you know, Eric giving some new, you know, artist just kind of a chance to show his stuff with some of his characters. Right. It's really tied in awesome. It's it's Sometimes I like it better than the dragon story. I mean, I just, I really enjoy the Vanguard strip. Of course, this strip... This Vanguard was a really good issue. We we get to meet uh, the the uh, uh, the Combine alien guy, the uh, the the Tyrus Combine. Tyrus. We, get to see the ty- we we get to see the Tyrus Combine alien like in 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 his full glory. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Combine, the way uh, the Vanguard strip describes them is they're actually a group of aliens. It isn't just one particular creature, right? Right. So I think yeah, it's sort of like the the Combine is. Like uh, an empire of a know, group of workers. right, right, like the evil federation type of deal, and and but uh, I don't know if these guys are supposed to be the ones in charge or what, but um, the big monstrous looking guys are the Tyranians, 
So I'm assuming that had, maybe that they're the head of the combine or it's named after their planet or something. And then they have these robot dudes that are assisting them. I don't know what the robot dudes are called because we just call them the robot guys. Yeah, they got uh, <laughs> call him my cybernetic friend, whatever that means. Yeah. Of course, I, I find it cool that um, even though uh, Vanguard's sister died last issue and they're having her funeral for her on the first page of this issue, they actually had survivors from that ship. There are other, other uh, members of Vanguard's race uh, that are alive and aboard. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant B.A. Baracus. <laughs> really? Oh my goodness, you're right. His name is Lieutenant Baracus. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think he is he the only survivor, or did the other guy survive too? I think the other one's still in a coma. I think that's what they said. The other guy is survived. Cool. I don't think that's too big of a spoiler. And I I think here we kind of find out that Vanguard's family were like big shots to the race. Is that true? Was it this episode, this issue? Definitely looks like that. Yeah, yeah. He said uh, they're the most prominent military family on Calyptus. And this is, like, kind of a weird issue, a weird episode in a way, because Vanguard's always kind of, like, this lighthearted character. And it's this this chapter is pretty dark, you know? Vanguard's kind of just, you know, he lost his sister and yeah, he's pissed. Yeah, you're right. It is a little off uh, from what the kind of lighthearted, uh, you know, joking, you know, wisecracks that we usually see, like, Van and Wally exchanging... Uh, even though there's definitely a couple in there, it's, it's um, you know, shit is going down. Especially, like, with the last chapter, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit uh, when we did that issue review, but uh, the ending of the last chapter, uh, I thought it was really powerful and just kind of sets the tone for this one, because now you read this and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, how how that ended and let's see what happens next kind of deal. Right, right. I think, like, even, like, if you uh, look at the second page, just going back on the whole, like, Vanguard's kind of just in that pissed zone, you know, he lost his loved ones. It's like, he almost kicks the ass of that Bur- Lieutenant Baracus on, on the second-to-last panel. He kind of like, shoots him a glare, like, did you cause this? I'm going to rip yeah. this off. Yeah. And then we get that next page where... Like Jim said, you see the you see the aliens in their full glory. They look pretty menacing. It's the, the robot guy looks cool too. Yeah, I really like the robot guys. I just uh, I think they have a really neat look, and I'm not sure uh, who designed them. I, I think it may have been Nikos in his uh, Vanguard story that he did back in yeah. Dragon 150. But um, they have a simple look, and it's effective. And yeah, definitely, it's cool. And we turn the page, and uh, of course, uh, the, the 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 cyborg guy, he's uh, he's knocking out all the technology. So all of a sudden, the Vanguard's all of Vanguard's uh, suit, his power suit, and his uh, his teleporters and his weapons and Wally all stop working, and that puts him into a bind. Right. But um, uh, Lurch gets right into it, transforms himself into a copy of the uh, Terranian, and uh, starts. Get into a punch-up fight. Lux has become quite the character. He seems to kind of save the day in almost every episode, it seems like. Somehow he does something to kind of help out by using his abilities. It's kind of cool. Yeah, Lurch has gone from being the kind of, uh, 
you know, side plot character that was, you know, there was an ongoing conversation with Roxanne and Vanguard about, like, Lurch's rights throughout all the old Vanguard comics, but it was always just, you know, one page or one panel or something to being a to being a front and center character now who's like you said, he's like saving the day. And yeah. And even Roxanne, I feel like she really hasn't been spotlighted even in the original miniseries or even Savage Dragon. I don't think she, I think she's been in like one panel of the actual Savage Dragon comic. Yeah. She hasn't been in much. That's for sure. And she's getting a lot of kind of, uh, airtime per se, but it's, it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. And what I really like in the in what what happens with Roxanne is they pull out the power glove, which is like the best pull your ass out of the fire thing any character can pull out. The power glove is funny to me. It's it's amazing, and for people again who are kind of new to Dragon or you've only been reading like for the past twenty issues or whatever, this weapon has been around since I don't know what like the twenties or. Is she 20s or 30s or something like that? 23 is when She-Dragon fought Rapture. I don't know if we saw it before that. Was it from the creator's uh, Johnny Redbeer's arsenal or something? I I assume so. I don't remember exactly. But it's it's kind of been in the center of a lot of different story arcs, or at least in some major fights where these power gloves is the, the same pair. And I think actually one pair is got destroyed. One pe- one one of the gloves got destroyed of the pair. That's right. I think so was, Kerr was using them and one of them blew up on him. Yeah, yeah, so there's one glove, but you know, this glove has been around for a long, long time in the series and a lot of different people have worn it. And it's it's just kind of funny that it just kinda of keeps turning appearing. Up. Yeah, it just turns up. Like and and I love the design of it and I love what it does. It I mean, if I remember correctly, Alex once used it. Yep. Mm-hmm. A couple of different people have used it. And I really like it here when uh, Wally goes to Modem and try and, and is about to release her and and to to help him out because and give her her powers back and she's about to jump at it and all of a sudden they don't need her anymore. Yeah, you see the <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> see the robot head kind of bounce by and he's like, oh, I guess that's done. And then you see Roxanne just kind of smashing the, the robot body to pieces. And it comes to the end, and uh, it ties back into the end of the dragon story with the, the alien fleet appearing outside of uh, the window. And what comes next? Yeah, and I and I love, again, like we said, how it ties in with the issue. So you can imagine that at the same time, you're looking you know, at that last panel where, you know, at the same time, Dragon uh, Malcolm and, and uh, Malcolm and Angel talking talking to uh, Jerry Rivers. You can imagine at the same time there's a battle in space going on with you know Vanguard. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really nice uh, way of you know they've been go the, the these stories have been sort of running concurrently the whole time, but now it's it's like all right now we're on the same page right. and we're you know there's stuff is about to happen <laughs> with, with these, you know, however many hundreds of ships or, or however many ships there are out there. And um, I think ending both of the, uh, both the main comic and the Van- Vanguard comic, like on a similar cliffhanger is not something that they would want to do, you know, often because they wouldn't want it to become like, 
expected or repetitive or anything, but doing it here is perfect. It's the perfect setup, um, you know, for the the one time that they're like, okay, we're totally in sync, and now, you know, this alien invasion that's been coming for 30 years is, is here. Right, right. Cool. Cool. So that's uh, 177 in a nutshell. Yep. Another issue in the bag. 178 looks like it's going to be off the hook. Yeah, I really like the cover for that one a lot. Yeah. The, uh, the heavy shadow and the, just the red. Um, I really, really dig Eric's um, minimalist covers, the like with the, the um, knockouts where he just has something really uh, flat but you know, really powerful at the same time. Like the the one, there was an issue a little while ago, uh, uh, 142 or 143. It's the one where the cover is like Dragon's getting knocked on his back. And right. And kind of uh, like a yellow-white yeah. silhouette against the dark red. Yeah. I love that cover. Like yeah. that's just one of my favorite covers. And, and uh, so I, I'm a sucker for... I, I agree. I, I mean, I like. I forget what what number it is, but I like the cover. It's all white when Dragon's getting like he just got hit into a wall and the, mm-hmm. it's all cracked behind oh, him. Oh yeah, that's probably one of my favorite covers ever. I remember the first time I saw it and it just blew my mind of how cool it looked. It, the minimalist, the white, and how faded the colors looked. The, the white. It's always you know if you want your cover to pop off of the shelf, uh, you can't do better than having white, you know, uh, just to have something when people are looking at, you know, their, their comic shops and, and white's always a really good design choice for that kind of thing. Huh. Right. It's interesting. So that's 177, another issue. Next episode, uh, we're not entirely sure what we're going to be doing next. We want to do another back issue review at some point, right guys? Yeah. Yeah. We'd like sure. to get back to that. Any particular issue we're, thinking about um i know we've mentioned talking amongst ourselves before this podcast my favorite issue is 47 and uh we had a couple others i know at some point gavin wants to come on and talk about either 139 or 81 i think they're both issues that i think 139 he owns some pages or going to own some pages and has helped eric with getting him information on characters for that book right I'm sure he'd have a lot of insight. Yeah, and I know 81, he's also going to be purchasing some pages from, and I think that's, I forget why he said that's one of his favorite issues. but uh. And 47 is the one with Dread Knight and the Big Mummy. Yeah, uh, yeah. In case in case anybody else wants to, like, dig and read those issues um, sometime in the next, I don't know, three, two or three weeks, in case we uh, manage to get our stuff together and, and, and do it. Yeah, and like I said, 47 is my all-time favorite issue, I think, of the series. Um, there's some close ones that I like, you know, Savage Worldwise, but 47 really does it for me. So anyway. That's cool, yeah. I'd like to talk about issue 90 at some point, but I think as that's one of my, uh, that's my first issue of Savage Dragon, I think we should dedicate a whole episode to our first issues. So that's something to think about for yeah. the future. Yeah, agreed. Definitely. Yeah, I have no idea what my favorite one would be. Like, I had one or two picked out that I could, that we could talk about, um, you know, when, when we have time. But um, definitely we could do one about our first issues, and, and I'm sure I could come up with ones that are, you know, among my favorites. So 
we we are planning in the uh, in the future to have Frank Fosco on, artist of the Vanguard backup strip. I believe he wants to come on once uh, issue 178 comes out. Yeah, I think Frank is going to join us when we do the issue 178 review. Um, and we'll have him on. We'll talk to him about that, and we'll we can you know ask him whatever questions under the sun that we we might have. Um, and as a matter of fact, it might be a good uh, opportunity to give out some contact information if uh, anybody listening has questions for Frank that we could ask him. Yeah. Um, is yeah. there like an email address, Jim, that you want to give out for? Or they for could just write a comment. They could write a comment in our. Uh... Oh yeah, just post in the thread on the on the forums. Yeah, if you have, if you have any questions for Frank Fosco, just leave a comment on the Savage Fincast website under this podcast. We'll make sure we get them written down, and we will ask them for you on the show. And can you repeat the podcast uh, website for those who don't know the address? Do you know that off the top of your head? I do know it off the top of my head. Uh, it is at fincast.guttertrash.net. I guess if they listen to their, this podcast, then they know the, the website anyway. <laughs> well, well, they're getting off of iTunes. I mean, we're, we are on yeah. iTunes, so make sure you uh, backtrack to our website because... I don't check the comments under the iTunes account, uh, podcast too much. Right, and and you can also reach the the podcast website from uh, dragonfan.net. Yep, we have the link up there too. So that should be interesting. I mean, Frank has worked a lot with Eric with the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, with uh, the Rock House Diner, with. Uh, even going back to the Megaton days, Megaton. where e- E3 and first debuted yeah. in Megaton. So he and Gary and Eric are old war buddies, pretty much. And um, he's done a uh, kind of pretty substantial uh, body of work of tying into um, these comics that we read and love so much. So uh, definitely have some, uh, I'm sure we'll have some good things to um, pick his brain about. Oh, yes. Right, right. I know I've got some things to ask about. Definitely, definitely. I, I'm looking forward to that. I think that will be a, a fun chat. Well, I think that about wraps it up. We'll uh, be back. I'm not sure when the next episode will be, probably in a couple weeks. Uh, still getting over the holidays a little bit. I think we're going to keep doing these heading forward. What do you guys think? Do we can, think we can do about two episodes a month from now on? Yeah, yeah we can definitely go. shoot for that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Best. The worst we can do is fail. <laughs> Yeah, so the next one might not be the one with the, the very next episode might not be the one with Frank. The next one might be like an in-between episode with the back issue review or something, kind of depending on when 178 comes out. And then when 178 comes out, we'll we'll do an episode about that. But I'm sure you guys will be announcing, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be we'll be talking about it in the threads, and, and Craig will be posting on Dragon Fan, and, and we'll be announcing it so you guys will know when the show is going to be. It won't just show up. Uh, without hearing about it. Yes, we will definitely mention it at some point before we air it. So that, cool. that's the, uh, that's the, well, I guess this is our uh, second episode, our fourth, our fourth, technically fifth episode, <laughs> but technically our second episode. I think we're going to probably number these chronologically going forward just to save on the headaches. But uh, I think that wraps it up, and uh, this was the Savage Fincast. Thanks for listening. 